Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Biz Dads. You may have noticed last week we took a little bit of a hiatus. There's some reasons for that, we'll tell you all about it. We've got a lot to talk about this week. Some sports and biz news coming up. Some really cool things happen in the sports world. Some really terrible things happen in the sports world. This week's cul-de-sec chat, talking about the kids' online schools for the fall and how we're gonna handle it. We've got a Millennial Minute where producer Twist jumps into her opinions on a couple things, including Tay-Tay's new drop. And our final four, the best sports team logo. Let's jump into it. This week's Biz Dads. All right, Andres, Twist, how was your weekend? Weekend was good, Brad. My brother's visiting from Southern California. So yeah, we've just been catching up. How did Uncle Sal get here? Uncle Sal drove a motorcycle from Kansas, camped along the way, made him take COVID tests. Yeah, he rolled up hot on a Saturday about a week ago, and the whole neighborhood came out and was like, who's the dude on the, on the motorcycle <laughs> revving up his motorcycle in the in the uh, quiet suburbs of Smyrna? Um, what's, uh, what's the old steel horse, uh, what, kind of, what kind of bike? Was this a new bike? He didn't have a bike before, uh, did he? It was a hand-me-down. My sister had uh, picked it up from us a few years ago. It sat in her garage for a while. She rode it a little bit, and then he he went back, and it's a Yamaha. I think it's like a 350. I'm not a motorcycle guy, so I, I think it's a 300, 350. So, yeah, they tuned it up, and he drove it out. He came, he came south from Kansas through Tulsa, stayed in Oklahoma one night, stayed in Arkansas one night, stayed in Jackson, Mississippi one night, I think, and came over so he's he's spending a couple weeks with us uh, he works for la live and you know they've been obviously impacted a significant amount of their workforce has been you know at home for months and uh he's on the production side so they haven't done any events due to due to covid so he's uh he's been taking advantage of some time to visit with family and he's spending a few weeks with us here in Smyrna. So it's been good. Yeah. I think we can all want to be uncle Sal at certain points. He, he lives his best life. He allows what he wants to do to drive his life as opposed to most of us biz dads who, you know, it's the other way around. Our schedules are usually driving ours. He's uh he's definitely getting his dosage of, uh, of, of the dad part. Cause you know, he, he now sees what it's like to sit down and feed, three kids at six o'clock and do the dishes and start bath time and fight the kids, you know, who want to have dessert and want to watch a movie every night. And, uh, I, I think he's, he's coming to at least appreciate, he's always been a, a super active uncle. The kids are always all over him when he's here, but you know, as you know, being a parent yourself, I mean, there's definitely a routine that sets in and, you know, when you don't have kids and you're single and living in LA, you know, not that he doesn't have his own set of things he's doing, but it's just a different schedule. So Look, he's man, been a huge help. If you hear the tires screech, you can appreciate and understand exactly how he's getting out of here on the, the iron horse. Um, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm often jealous of uh, my brother uh, for all the cool things that he's done in his career. But the coolest thing he ever did is he was moving from San Francisco to Chicago, where he lives now. And he packed everything up in San Francisco and sent it off on the, uh, uh, you know, on the Mayflower moving truck or whatever it was. And he jumped on his bike and he rode across the northern part of the country through, you know, the Black Mountains and Mount Rushmore. And he's got this really cool video of like him on this two-lane road by himself and like a giant buffalo not getting out of his way. Um, so cool. I've always been so jealous of that trip. 
Yeah, I don't know if I'm brave enough to get on get on a motorcycle, but he, I mean, he definitely caused you know my parents to skip some skip a breath. I guess you can now track people. I mean, it makes sense, right? So he had this app that the family was tracking him on the way here, and like every five minutes when he'd stop for gas or to go to the bathroom, the family was calling him, "What's wrong? You're not going 65 anymore." Um, <laughs> but uh, he said you get a whole new perspective, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle. You you realize. You get the freedom and you get to take in the elements, obviously, but you also realize just how a lot of drivers don't pay attention. So we're, I'm just hoping he gets home safely. You can't get my big old butt on one of those things. I don't trust myself paying that much attention. Um, but, you know, one of the things that is relevant because I, I mentioned a couple weeks ago that I'm doing this a big ass calendar club, uh, this kind of life resume, uh, you know, life changing initiative that. Uh, Jesse Eichler is doing, and um, one of the things on there, they do two things. One, if you have, you have to create a masogi like this, completely uncomfortable, out of the ordinary, life-changing thing that you have to accomplish in the next 12 months. And I think I mentioned people do like 29029 races, which is like the equivalent of you know mounting or summoning Everest, and um, all these 100-mile races and all this stuff that I could never do at least in my mind I could never do um, physically so I'm looking at what what I need to do but one of the other things are these these Kevin's rules ironically and it's these things that you have to do these trips that you yeah. have to plan you know every other month you have to kind of come up with something or every month try to come up with something new and it's really uncomfortable as I sit here changing or as I sit here and go through all of the the activities like the daily vitamins 10 things that you do to create kind of winning habits in your life um you know monthly responsibilities and monthly electives that you do and you 90 day goals for yourself and this masogi and these kevin's rules and reading books and watching documentaries and doing a you know a health cleanse once a month those kinds of things so it's uncomfortable but man i am so excited uh to jump into it and I would challenge anybody that listens to uh, text me some ideas because my Masogi right now, I'm torn between two. One. You ready to reveal that? I'm going to reveal the two. And I'm going to suggest that if someone comments down below, I'll do whatever, whichever one they say or other suggestions that they throw out there because I need the challenge. So comment below. But the first one is boring, but I want to learn Spanish. Kids are both in the dual language immersion class. I want to learn Spanish. The second one is to rebuild myself, rebuild a Jeep CJ7 that I have to earn the money, buy, then follow YouTube videos and buy the parts and like try to rebuild this Jeep. That's oh, the one I like that I'm like the most, because I've always wanted a Jeep. Going all the way back to the early days, the rough riding days in Ackworth and Kennesaw with, as a Harrison Hoya. My high school days i always wanted a jeep never got one jealous of a couple friends on the baseball team who have like toy jeeps dads that have toy jeeps so that may be it but i'm open to other ideas so you guys let me know what you think well si se puede brad that's spanish for yes we can yes you are you are down i like it man i like it no i've been checking out that website you also get like checking calls with jesse so you know that'll be cool and it looks like there's tons of uh accountability kind of members in your group and Dude, you I gotta do just... four quarterly cleanses i can't yeah. wait to talk to you after three days of cleansing <laughs> i know four books for me would not be a problem Maybe and i know that week. you like 
limited amounts of, of, you know, you read, but I mean, just, you know, it looks like it's going to shake you up, man. I'm looking forward to seeing how this goes. Building a better Brad, building a better Brad and <laughs> twist. Stay away when you know cleanses are happening. Just stay away. I've That's... learned that from my mom. <laughs> but you know what, dude? I, I have sat through um, a group kickoff call, which was amazing. So we, they broke us down to these little, these individual groups. My coach, my personal coach is a woman named Lee Jansen out of uh, Long Island who does like 100 mile races. She's a motivational speaker. She's a certified life coach. Like people that don't need to be dealing with me are going to have an impact in my life over the next 12 months. And uh, we get to document it all right here on uh, BizDads. So the journey will be a hopefully a funny one, at least for all of you out there listening. Um, it's crazy, man, because I started to really think about all this. We celebrated Ben's eighth birthday, right? Renzo just had a birthday too, right? His is coming up on the 30th this week on Thursday. Yeah. He's going to be six. And Uncle Kevin, my brother, turns the big 4-0. So it's a week of birthdays in uh, the Biz Dads world. But in this whole Corona thing, man, we wanted to have a birthday party for Ben. And, you know, we've been doing a lot of baseball. So we just had the baseball kids over. And I... Um, I went and got a big water slide. Like I did all the research on who's cleaning these big water slides and they, they brought the water slide down and they, they, I made them put it in the backyard and, and I have AstroTurf in the backyard cause we couldn't get grass to grow. So I have like 1500 square feet of artificial turf and it's got, you know, this granite underneath it that you got to maintain. It's not like you can just, you know, dump water on there and hope that it doesn't all wash away. Needless to say the the whole thing collapsed two, three times. And oh. water just comes rushing out onto the yard, and I'm just, I'm bailing with a five-gallon bucket, sweating my nuts off, and, you know, we've got guests just kind of sitting around watching me. So, uh, but it was fun all around, and uh, we had we had the family over then the next day, because we kind of separated the two with our parents not being around the baseball team. Uh, but it was fun, man. So you got any big plans for Renzo? We're uh, we're working on it, you know. There might be a uh, there might be a fishing trip in our future. Uh, there's definitely going to be a Zoom birthday uh, because you know folks are just spread around the country. Um, and uh, man, the kids the kids very blessed. We've been having the Amazon uh, deliveries, you know, for the last several days. So he's he's pumped. I mean, his little brother is the one, you know, that we're gonna. <laughs> have to watch because he sneaks down there and like grabs gifts and unwraps them but uh <laughs> no man it's uh it's it's amazing to think back i was looking at pictures of him when he was you know him and andrew were like a year old or two years old or three years old and you know now they're six and you know renzo's gonna be in kindergarten it's just how fast things have sped up over the last three or four years especially it's crazy but it's it's been a good it's been a good summer even you know even with the circumstances and cap it off with a big birthday this week. That's great. Well, Andrew has been asking for a Renzo sleepover, so when you're ready to bite that bullet, let us know. So some crazy things have been happening around the Biz Dads world over the last week. And for those loyal listeners who missed us last week, we apologize. A lot of stuff going on, but our own sweet. Producer Twist got infected with the coronavirus. She toughed it out. She's with us today on the high of a negative test. But man, oh man, it was a scary point in the trenches. We had all kinds of craziness going on. And how you feeling? 
It is definitely 180. If anyone ever says they have it, I feel terrible for them. It was a terrible experience, but luckily mine was only about four days or five, so it wasn't too bad, but it was a terrible three days for sure. I guess the worst part about it was I couldn't taste or smell for like five days, so that was the worst. Thank goodness I had my parents to take care of me, or I don't know where I would be today, but... They would cook me all these insane meals and I couldn't taste a lick of it. And it was just sad and depressing, but we're negative and we are good to go now. I'm glad to hear that, Anne. I have a couple questions for you. Did you, where did you stay during the time in which you were? I was at my lake house and they stuck me in the basement. So they, my parents would leave food for me at the top of the stairs and stuff. So <laughs> I was very cut oh, off from them, man. but luckily, right. We are fortunate that there's a lot of kids in my family, so we ha we do have a lot of games down there. So we have a ping pong table that can flip up, so I played a lot of one-on-one -on -one ping pong, and I played a lot of pool, so at least I can entertain myself a little bit. But uh, it and, was terrible. And have you ever seen Goonies? No, I don't think so. Oh, my gosh. you got to go see Goonies. Because you were basically relegated to the basement. You were sloth. For those out there that remember sloth, you were that was what you were. You were stuck in the basement by yourself. Feel so bad. Yeah, I ended up making a TikTok of all the games I had to play by myself, and it was very sad. It was a PSA for everyone that was an only child saying how sorry I feel for them, that no parent should let their child do that because that was miserable. So the irony of you getting the China virus, as our president calls it, and then sharing all of your personal data with the Chinese through TikTok is quite a circle of events, Anne. <laughs> that is the irony. That is too funny. But it came with some good content. Well, Andre, so we had, we, Anne and I were together on Tuesday of last week. So she let me know on Thursday she wasn't feeling good. But Friday you got the, test, the positive test result. So mm -hmm. I go in late, late Friday to get the positive result, the po the, to get the test. And that's not a fun test, to your point. Like, my eyes got really watery. It was, wasn't was terrible. But the woman said, this is kind of like getting chlorine sucked up your nose, but a whole lot worse. And I said, mm. you can't use an analogy and then end it with, but a whole lot worse. Because that means your, your analogy is shit. So, I mean, it was not fun. I got the test results back in two days. We had a whole crazy story of... of I had to tell all the parents for a baseball tournament that we were in, and they all were so amazing. They all said, yeah, we, you know, like I was kind of quarantined, and they said, you know, we'll, we want Ben to play. But I had to go sit, like, way far away until I got the results back. And so the tournament was over, and I was able to tell all of them, no worries. But it was just crazy because Anne, everybody that interacted with Ann didn't get no it. One. Everybody came back negative. Yeah, that is why I don't get this virus at all because – so my major symptoms happened on Thursday, but sorry for this, but I kissed my boyfriend on Wednesday and my little sister drank after me on Wednesday night. So I'm just very confused on how they didn't get it. We have two cases in our office right now. So last week on Tuesday, I went into the office. They told us that somebody believed that they had the virus, but they hadn't tested positive. So they sent us home. I got a test on Thursday. Uh, afternoon and I got another one on Friday just because some of the tests they were saying could take a week or seven days so I just got two thinking somebody will come back with something quick I got a test result negative test result on Saturday afternoon 
and I still haven't gotten the other one. But I didn't know that both tests were going to be self-administered because the first one I had done, you know, somebody came out from the clinic and swabbed my nose, and I didn't think it was bad at all. I was telling Heidi, like, it's nothing. And I showed up for the second one and then the third one, and they're like, yeah, you're going to do it yourself, and you're going to stick this thing up your nose for 15 seconds. And they were... I definitely was not as gentle on myself as the the nurse was the How first time around. How can you trust but... a self-administered test? We had, and this is a crazy story that I heard from a very close family member, but they had friends who went into the uh, the rapid test. They waited in line for an hour. They never got tested. They left, but they had registered and signed up. You know, but they left out of frustration. The next day. They got an email that they tested positive and they never actually even took the test. So Did you steal my story or did I tell you that? No, that's a different story. That's that's from someone else. I heard that too from one of my friends. Same thing happened. Yeah, it's crazy. Who knows what the hell's going on? I mean, we've probably all been infected with it. We probably all got it. We're all going to get it at some point. Let's just hope it doesn't turn out to be like chicken pox and we don't all end up with shingles, you know in our 60s but who knows this call this whole corona thing is crazy man yeah i'm i so we transitioned to working back at home you know and i've been working from home you know since basically tuesday and there's there's a whole bunch of stuff that the company's you know working through in terms of when people can come back and what they're going to do in the meantime and it's definitely caused more un- uncertainty i guess and then you've got you know school that's sort of bearing down on us uh here in the next few weeks which we'll get to later in the show but Definitely feels like it's hit closer to home, man. You're the first, you know, person that I guess I know uh, relatively well that's gotten it. And uh, I'm glad you're back on your feet and feeling okay. And then, you know, hearing two of my colleagues tested positive, it seems like they're both doing okay. But I hear that the virus, you know, your symptoms can get progressively worse before they get better. Yeah. Everyone has it so differently, so you never know. Yeah. Well. Glad you're healthy, Twist. Great to have you back. We're great to be back here at BizDad Central. We're still all remote, so I don't think you can catch this thing via Skype, which is good. Uh, so we're all being safe and social distancing. Let's take a few minutes. Let's jump into the sports and biz news from the last week. All right, Andres. As I sit here and watch uh, the Mets take a 7-1 lead over the Red Sox, Major League Baseball is back. Uh, two things. One, I'm a big fan of the cardboard cutouts in the stands. It actually looks like there's people in the stands watching the games. But two, uh, today, got hit hard. The Marlins had nine players testing positive, so they had uh, they have to postpone their two games uh, that are coming up. There's all kinds of people calling for baseball to go into a bubble or for them to cancel the season outright. And I'm just, I'm like, what does this mean for live sports? The bubble has worked for the most part, right? Everybody that's in the bubble staying safe, negative tests all around. You got the idiots who are leaving the bubble, getting themselves in trouble. We'll talk more about that in a minute. The MLB is not in a bubble, and if they're showing that these teams are going to get high number of infections, I think NFL, college football, all that kind of stuff, it's all going to be hurt by it. Yeah, you know, my brother was making the comment, like, with respect to the NBA that you mentioned, I mean, it's I'm hoping that these athletes realize that, you know, especially this year, uh, may, and I don't know, hopefully it's just this year, but it's just it's it's a privilege really to be playing. It's it's not a right, you know, and hopefully these folks can stay healthy because, um, yeah, it would really be I don't know. I think it'd just be kind of a psychological setback if we get sports canceled like in the fall. 
you know, outright. It would be really psychological for the country and for just for families, you know, with youth sports. I mean, there's so many kids that are geared up. I mean, even with schools starting virtually, I think there's just a ton of kids that just want to get back to playing sports. And uh, whether it's youth, you know, high school, obviously college. I mean, that's big here in the South, college football. So a lot of uncertainty, man. Well, I'm telling you, if, if in college football so far, out of the Power Five conferences, you've had two conferences who have come out and said they're only playing conference games. The Big Ten came out first and said, we are playing conference-only games. And some major matchups for the year were canceled. Then the Pac-12, their commissioner, Larry Scott, actually got the virus. They canceled all of their non-conference games and went to a conference-only schedule. And you're seeing every day I get an email alert from some of the news feeds that I follow that the smaller conferences are canceling all fall sports altogether. One, SEC, ACC, and Big 12 have yet to make an announcement. They will probably make an announcement this week. I am hoping they come out with a conference plus one or plus two, so you still get some of the amazing matchups. Florida, Florida State, Georgia, Georgia Tech, you know, those kinds of big matchups that we all love watching uh, Thanksgiving weekend. But it blows my mind how five people, only five people, can't get together on the same page to make a decision that's uniform. I mean, I understand there's a new, conf- new commissioner in the Big Ten, and he wanted to make his own statement and, and get out there, but... I just wish there was some uniformity. It's like the challenge we have with all the school districts around our area. Everybody's got something different going on. How come they can't just talk about it and figure it out? That's my <laughs> soapbox for the day. Your soapbox for the day. I No, I mean, it's frustrating, dude. I, uh, I And I know that whether it's sports or returning to work or school, I mean, it it's fatiguing to try to figure out just where you sit on all this kind of stuff in terms of the health consequences, the economic consequences, the psychological consequences. And I thought we were kind of like, if you'd asked me in May, I thought we were kind of headed towards, all right, you know, fall's going to feel more normal, you know? And then you ask me here in July, it feels like we're sort of teetering on, you know, like you're saying, like there, there could just be outright cancellations. It's uh, it's tough, man. Well, the NFL canceled preseason, I mean, altogether. So two more home games uh, removed from everybody's schedule. You know, I mean, there's been talk for years about canceling preseason games and extending. Does anybody care? Season. Really? I, I mean, know. I mean, football's football. We've got to find a way to get these guys practice so they don't get hurt. And I think there's real life experience and real game time experience when it comes to preseason but i don't think anybody's gonna miss it it's just one of those things that's another who knows if it extends if it lasts who knows yeah it fills tv i guess and it gives people something to talk about i get i i I guess i'm curious what happens to all those guys that are you know tweeners right they haven't made a roster in a year or two or they're undrafted rookies and you know camps are where they you know where they make a team or at least get seen. So, I, yeah, there's a lot of, I guess there's a lot of folks that uh, are obviously directly impacted by the preseason not happening, not to mention the jobs and the income and the fact that the stadiums are going to be empty. Just add it to the list of, of organizations <laughs> that got to figure it out in the new normal. Oh, man, it stinks. Well, let's just hope that we get regular season football in the NFL and college football. You know, this thing with the Marlins and Major League Baseball goes away quickly and uh, we stay on the right track. You know, I, I've heard less about numbers going up, so hopefully things have started to plateau a little bit. Maybe we'll see a downward spike, but uh, it's good to have Major League Baseball back, at least. Like I was saying at the beginning of this, I do like the, the cardboard cutouts in the stands. 
I think uh, the, the, the games that do have it are much more noticeable, and it actually feels like you're watching a regular game, like your brain's tricked. But I don't know if you saw, um, Dr. Fauci kicked off the season with uh, a first pitch with his favorite team, the Washington Nationals. That's terrible. Did you check out that performance? Why don't, why don't you walk us through that pitch? I have seen that highlight. I'm, I'd like to hear it from Brad himself. Well, uh, Dr. Fauci, a tough, a tough performance for anybody nationally televised game to get out there and try to throw a strike i hope i don't pull out a bull durham quote i hope i don't hit the bull or throw the thing 12 feet over the guy's head you know i don't mind bouncing it as long as it's catchable by the catcher dr fauci gets up there and tosses this thing towards the first base dugout it was the worst throw i've ever seen and the best part about it is the internet blew up and the funniest thing i saw was they said dr fauci doesn't want anybody to catch anything. This guy's on brand all the time. Um, which is, I guess, really, really funny, considering, you know, he's got his mask. Now, they did show him in the stands later that day not wearing his mask, sitting side by side with a couple people. Hopefully they're in his trusted circle. But uh, quite the performance by Dr. Fauci. Brad, how much uh, catch do you play with Ben? Because apparently Dr. Fauci hadn't played you know, he hadn't thrown a baseball in years. I mean, you know, decades. And he's a huge baseball fan, but he just hadn't, I mean, he hadn't picked up a ball. And yeah, the internet is blowing up with all the stuff and the backstories about the Yankees and Doc, and uh, President Trump and all this stuff. It's, uh, man, you can't even throw first pitch out anymore without it being controversial. I know, everybody's all over you. Now, I will say, to, uh, to embarrass myself a little bit, Ben is moving into kid pitch baseball, like real baseball. So the other day, we went out and I was throwing a BP and I realized that I cannot throw a strike to save my life. I've, I've played <laughs> entirely too much, you know, adult softball and I have, I have, I no longer have aim. So I sucked it up and told him that we're going to work on his eye, not to swing at the bad pitches. <laughs> and I threw him a buttload of bad pitches. So the kid probably is going to have the best eye in kid pitch because he's been taking BP off of me and uh, hasn't seen a strike. So the first strike he sees, hopefully he laces it. Well, hopefully you didn't hit him, but I, I remember growing up, my dad was always throwing batting practice, and I don't know if he has any cartilage left in his arm. He's definitely had, he needs a Tommy John surgery, but I mean, he pitched for years to every kid on, you know, on the team, and we played, your, you know, we played serious baseball like, like Ben is, and uh, we got our share of, of not intentional beanings, but uh, but I mean that's how kids learn, you know. So good good for you to get out there and you know being willing to pitch to them. That's awesome. Dude, it's ugly, man. I'm not even gonna lie. I can underhand all day long and throw them strikes right down the middle and in soft toss, but I it is ugly to see me throw a baseball anymore. I, but I have thought a lot about taking him out there and plunking him because he's got his first kid pitch tournament this weekend, the dynamite matchup of other teams that are in there. And I want him to just be able to stand there and take it. As they say, wear it, wear it. So I may, uh, we may have a little beaning practice. See how he wears it. See if he's got uh, he's got some happy Gilmore in him. 364 sounds, days till hockey season. Got to tough it up. Sounds like the kids are a few years away from being eligible for the amateur draft, Brad. I mean, how many games has this kid played in, in 2020? I mean, every weekend you guys are at a ballpark. By my standards, not enough because it's the only thing that's normal in our life right now. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of baseball. He's got, you know, he'll have tryouts again, see if he makes next year's travel team and 
It's kind of fun. We got there's some really great parents. Sounds that's like that's probably it. the best the best part about this whole thing. Um, but anyway, we'll see. Now to get into a little bit of crazy news here, Andres, a world that kind of spans both of our lives. Former client of mine, um, college football hall of fame partner at Under Armour, got served uh, a Wells notice. Tell everybody what a Wells notice is. Basically, the Wells notice from the SEC is basically a notification to a company, a publicly traded company, and they're letting you know if you're the company that they believe they can establish a violation and they're prepared to recommend an action, basically, to uh, the commission. The SEC uh, has a commission of people that vote, and they'll file a civil lawsuit. And this all ties back to aggressive, I guess you could say, or questionable accounting practices back in 15 and 16 when Under Armour was moving sales around to hit uh, quarterly earnings. So it's just more bad news for them, man. I know we talked about this on an earlier show. It's funny, too, because you see a ton of kids, you know, wearing the Under Armour clothing. And I see, a ton, you know, Renzo's got tons of Under Armour gear. But, yeah, this is not good news. Um, any public company that gets served one of these, it's um, they're definitely in the crosshairs of the SEC. And it's likely these could go, you know, all the way to, like I said, civil lawsuits, definitely fines, serious stuff. Kind of scary. I mean... You know, we've talked about Under Armour on the show before and some of the challenges that they're facing with rights deals that they have with, with major universities. What an interesting book it would be to read Kevin Plank's, you know, autobiography after this whole thing is all said and done or this tell-all tale. You know, it was an incredible story. If you don't know anything about the Under Armour story, you know, he got his first business loan or first loan from the, the Maryland School of Business uh, who helped him start Under Armour. He created the shirt, went in his trunk selling it. You know, Maryland was one of his first customers. Georgia Tech was actually one of his first customers as a team. I mean, he built this business from scratch and almost a victim of getting too big, too fast, the pressures of going public and stockholders breathing down your necks. Uh, who knows what kind of stuff went down inside those walls, but, you know, Hopefully it's a brand that can survive because it's a great American, you know, sky is the limit kind of story. To challenge Nike the way that they did as quickly as they did, no one thought possible, but maybe it wasn't possible. Yeah, I mean, a lot of this stems from, you You, you said it, it's, it's, the company was under a lot of pressure to meet expectations from Wall Street, and they effectively were borrowing, you know, sales from future quarters you know, and moving those sales forward. And I mean, that's coming directly from, you know, corporate insiders, former Under Armour insiders. So the, uh, and apparently, you know, repeatedly used that move um, to hit, you know, double digit growth targets for, um, gosh, it was probably, you know, close to seven years. So there's uh, there's going to be a lot of uh, people paying attention to this. The SEC does not typically issue a Wells notice uh, unless they're pretty confident that they've got a really strong case. So, yeah, there's a lot of lawyers right now working late now, what preparing if, Under Armour's response. If the SEC files and, and, and they are successful in what they're looking for and finding what they're looking for, what happens? Again, it could be uh, fines. Uh, certainly there could be issues uh i mean there could be consequences for kevin plank and you know i think it's the former finance chief this former cfo 
um, you know, th- there's there's definitely a monetary component, but there's also a civil in, uh, enforcement component, and uh, it just puts so much it puts a big cloud over the company for sure going forward as well because they're just going to face an even more intense, uh, you know, scrutiny from uh not only from the street but also from you know regulators and it's uh it's just you imagine the distraction um that it'll have on the company and the impact that'll have on you know employees and morale and the uh i mean it's just it's imagine it's it's like an investigation like a a a major violation at a collegiate you know top tier program i mean your uh your recruiting is is raised you know it, it goes into question there's a lot of there's a lot of consequences a lot of spillover something to keep a close eye on let's definitely check back in on that um but that's some how about some really cool news from the world of sports uh i saw today the brand of what i think is the coolest name and logo for any sports team i've ever seen inspiring this week's final four the seattle Kraken of the NHL. A couple things that are pretty amazing about the Seattle NHL franchise already making huge, huge waves in the world of sports. First, Amazon buys naming rights to their new venue. The first zero carbon footprint building in the world, and they call it Climate Change Arena. So they don't even put their brand on it. They call it Climate Change Arena because it literally is going to do that. Change the impact, hopefully, of, uh, of, the, of the, that a venue like that would have on the climate. Then they come out with this nickname, the Seattle Kraken, which in general, Kraken is just a cool name. Um, if, if you don't know uh, Kraken lore, the, uh, the, the Norse, it's a, it's a Norse saga that the Kraken dwells off the coast of Norway and Greenland and terrorized sailors, believed to be a, uh, a giant squid that could grow 40 to 50 feet in length, but it became this mythical creature, the Kraken that ate ships. So already, you've won me over, cool-ass name. Then they come out with this amazing logo, the S that looks like the eye of the Kraken. I'm already buying stuff on Fanatics. <laughs> they're they're across a country, but it's my new favorite NHL team. I'm all in. I've been to uh, I've been to Scandinavia, and I've been out to uh, so in Denmark. There's a there's a area called Skagen, and it's where two seas collide. And I it's it's like the most eerie. We went on a day in which it was like it was late in the afternoon. It was raining. It was drizzly, and when I imagine a kraken coming up out of the sea that was the image when i saw the name and uh i started looking into it i uh it took me back to when i was i think i was gosh i was probably 21 22 when we we took that trip and uh, we went out there on that beach and i looked out there and i was like i don't know who in the hell would ever be swimming in that that sea <laughs> yeah i guess they they looked at 1200 names uh i love the colors i uh yeah, I, I think the colors are awesome merchandise sales are obviously through the roof here in the uh, early days so i tried to buy a hat i couldn't buy a hat on fanatics um it's it's just again great marketing and as we talked about in the pre-show there is uh, already an incredible partnership. You know, we love the, the partnership spotlights around here. 
Kraken Rum is already the official rum and a partner of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, so the business side of me loves that authentic connection. It's just, again, I can't wait. I hope they put a good team on the, on the ice and, uh, and, and they make some waves, kind of like the Las Vegas Golden Knights did. You know, new team, new expansion team made great waves. Uh, forgive the pun. But it's, it's going uh, to be pretty great to watch. So, well, I, uh, I, I would encourage people to go to NHL.com because there's a good story and timeline of how the franchise named the team, came up with the colors, did the logo. So looking through the timeline today in preparation for the show, the five finalists, do you know what they were? No, spit them out. The five finalists for the name were the Sockeyes, yeah. the Totems, the Metropolitans, the Steelheads, and the Kraken. They got the most votes. Uh, 100, nearly 150,000 votes. That was back in October of 18. Then they did fan forums and, you know, I guess another 18 months of research and then finally announced in the last few days. So. Well, they got it right. That's for sure. Because the Metropolitans, I mean, that's that's the Mets. The, you know, Steelheads, I get it. Totems would have been the other cool one because, you know, I think there's a strong Native American presence in the Pacific Northwest. That'd be kind of cool. But anyway, I'm glad they ended up on that one. More to come in this week's Final Four. Let's jump into uh, taking a stroll around the neighborhood and get into this week's cul-de-sac chat. All right, Andres, this week's cul-de-sac chat. Our kids are going back to school in a totally virtual environment. Schedule released today. Not my favorite news to come out of the last couple weeks. I wanted face-to-face. Uh, one of the kids go back in the classrooms. Of course, I wanted everybody to be safe. How do you feel about the news that one were virtual? And, and talk to us about the schedule that they released today. Hey, Brad. One team, one goal. Student success. It's Cobb County. Look, I, uh, I know this isn't probably your favorite topic, but it is important, and it is education, and we are biz dads, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna nail it tonight. So your first question, how do I feel about the virtual? I wasn't comfortable not knowing all the things that they were planning to do if and when cases happen. We wanted to send our kids back to school, but our position was let's just wait until the last possible minute before we had to submit, you know, our intentions. But like I told you and, you know, our listeners in earlier shows, our our intention was always to send the kids back to school. But we had another week, almost 10 days, before we had to make that decision. And then basically Cobb County made it for us. So uh, now that we're remote to at least start the year, uh, then that turns to what's that remote going to look like? And I'm, for one, as a parent and president of our school's foundation and, you know, just trying to be supportive of the teachers and what's going on, like I'm really keen to understand, you know, what did we learn from last spring? And what are we going to be doing differently? What are we going to try to fix? And so I know that the county spent a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of people, you know, really, really focused on trying to roll out this new single platform. And then today they released, I think it was today, they released some sample schedules for for the remote schedule for both elementary, middle and high school. So I've had a chance to kind of dig into those. Heidi obviously has had, um, you know, has has only had a couple of hours to kind of digest it but give me your quick take or maybe an update because our family situation is a little different we you know heidi's not working in a traditional job like you know like your 
you know, like you and like Margaret Ann. And so she can dedicate more time to the instruction. But I want to hear from you because you guys are a two parent working situation and that's very different than us. So I'm just curious how you're just how you're feeling about that. And before we jump into the sample schedule, when you heard the news, what was your immediate thought? Anger. I here, here's my I'm the dad now in the cul-de-sac that we were given a right to choose. Yep. You had the choice. Send your kids back to school or virtual learning. And there was a lot that needed to be worked out. I get it. But instead of giving the people the opportunity to work through and ask questions, the uh, what I believe to be the minority of voices took to social media and created a huge ruckus that forced the hand of the decision makers and took away the choice that we were, we were given to, to decide what direction we wanted to go. My wife does work. She's a hard, hard working lady and um, is fantastic at her job. They are going to be working from home through the end of the year. Uh, Turner's not bringing employees back probably till the end of the year, if not, if not uh, later. And I am trying to run a business, a business that has been greatly impacted and will continue to be greatly impacted by the coronavirus. And we have to figure out now how to, how to put our kids in the best position, which I already carry around on my shoulders as uh, probably the most anxiety of any part of my life. Our kids are in a dual language immersion program, which we are excited about. Uh, that means they learn in Spanish half the day, not that they learn Spanish, they learn in Spanish. Um, and it's phenomenal. We don't speak Spanish. As I mentioned earlier, I'm trying to learn it. I'm gonna to try to learn it now. We've looked at trying to create a micro school, which is a term most people are using now, and, um, and hiring someone to come with, you know, maybe two, three families that, uh, you know, that put the kids in a position to have some additional learning and help and support. The schedule is somewhat flexible that they've come out with, which we can talk about in just a second, but I'm really, more than anything, disappointed that the fact that you can complain loud enough now and it alters change in policy. And that's, I think, a massive problem with our country in general, that, um, Social media allows that platform that you, you don't have the choice to kind of make your own decision. There's positive, positives and negatives to people being able to share their voice. And I don't want to, I'm not getting into that part of it, but there was a loud enough voice of people who decided that their opinions mattered that, um, that raised the fuss. And here we are. Some people are out of school until the end of the year. We're indefinite. I wish they would have at least given us a date to say, this is when we're going to review it. So that when I do go to hire somebody, I could tell them that this is these are decision dates. I don't even have that. Yeah, so I mean the 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 way I kind of processed this news with Heidi was look, I wish they would have waited and worked through a lot of those questions that you're mentioning and I I did not take to social media. I heard Facebook in the week leading up to the decision, especially in the days leading up to the decision had just blown up with parents and uh and folks asking all these questions and really making it a, a very difficult like you said difficult decision for the the Cobb school district and the superintendent because there was questions thrown out about you know what's more important someone's life or getting back to school and that's just a different that's a difficult dynamic i mean how's a superintendent really supposed to 
you know, address that. So yeah, I, I wish that they had waited and tried to get to the bottom of more of these questions and tried to develop some more policies and they decided to, you know, go ahead and announce it. Now the question turns to what's the schedule look like? Because for me, look, I think everybody kind of is in agreement The last spring we were just all thrust into this. Nobody kind of saw it coming and we certainly weren't prepared and we just all kind of muddled through and kind of got through it, right? But you've had, you know, three months and I'm pretty sure that there was a probability that the fall could go virtual. So, you know, my expectations for this virtual learning are really, really high. And you know, I, I am looking at the schedule and I'm seeing, you know, the instructional day starts at eight o'clock. There's a morning meeting to start the day. I don't know what that means. Um, so I'm going to have a lot of questions about what's a morning meeting. Then there's, you know, remote teaching sessions for 45 minutes and then a brain break and then math for 45 minutes and then differentiated small group instruction. I just want to see how, I just want to hear more details. You know, I know that we, we are, nobody's asked for this. And obviously everybody I think agrees that in-person instruction is the best path forward, but it doesn't change, Brad, the fact that they're going to have to address all those questions Regardless. at some point, yeah. they're still going to have to address them because we're going to have to go back. Like, mm. and there's, we're going to have to learn to live with this virus. I mean, that's, that's something you've been hearing a lot of over the last three, four weeks. Dude, I mean, it's just not simple to go get a COVID test. Like, that's a, just a basic thing. I mean, we are just, I mean, I know it's better than what it was three months ago, but like, they, they're just, it's not widely available. It's not easy. You know, everything comes down to, is it free? Is it through insurance? You know, do you have the time to go do it? If you're a busy working parent, like, do you have time to go sit in line for three hours and get a COVID test? Like, a lot of people don't. So it's, it's really... Man, we just really need some leadership to step up and provide more direction from the health standpoint and then from the school standpoint, you know, with this with this new schedule, I mean, student independent work from 12 to 2.30, I mean, basically you're looking at a four hour day and then you gotta come up with something for your kids to be doing basically after lunch. And um, it's just gonna be, it's, it's gonna be, a, there's gonna be a lot of questions. Again, we had a great teacher in, uh, in in the spring, and I think the teachers did an amazing job in, when they were thrust into this. But we've got to, you know, we've got to get more answers. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. There's, there's got to be more answers. Um, you know, part of me, the structure of of school is as important as what they're learning. And these kids are not going to have structure from 12 through the, rain, the the remainder of the day in most cases. And I just I want everybody to be safe. I want educators to be safe. I want I want the kids to be safe. But we cannot survive in an environment where we wait for a vaccine to a virus that may not work. Uh, a virus is a virus, and we're going to have to start living with with it at some point. So right, wrong, or indifferent, that's my thought. Anyway, let's turn the tables here and get news from the young negative producer Twist for this week's Millennial Minute. Twist, what you got? There hasn't been anything going on in the world, but this past week, everyone was all excited for MLB opening day, and then boom, Taylor Swift released a statement that she was coming out with a new album at midnight that she had been writing over quarantine, and she made 16 songs, some with Bon Iver, and everyone went wild. It is the most 
It broke the record for the global record for the first day album streams on Spotify with 80.6 million streams in 24 hours. So that's the only thing I've heard in my phone for the past week. It's been incredible. Everyone should listen to it. That's my PSA for Taylor Swift. And there's your Millennial Minute. You're welcome. Wow. I don't know if that's much of a Millennial Minute other than it is just uh, an announcement for Taylor Swift and more advertising that she probably doesn't need. You're right on that. (laughs) All right, Anne. Thanks for this week's Millennial Minute. Very millennial it was. All right, gang. Ending things off with this week's Final Four. In honor of the Seattle Kraken, the NHL's newest franchise and awesome logo, give me your best sports logo of all time. Andres, what you got? Mm, man, college. Obviously, I'm loyal to my Jayhawks. I think they have a great logo. I think the Irish Notre Dame Fighting Irish have a great logo. I lo- I've always loved the Hurricanes logo. But my, I think my one of my all-time favorites, NBA. I'm going old school. The old Denver Nuggets logo. I just thought that was just a cool logo. There you go. And what you thinking? Well, I originally thought the Seattle Seahawks because I'm obsessed with their color scheme, but I think I just love the lime green. But realistically, the one that's more of a staple is the Chicago Bulls. That's just a crowd pleaser and my favorite. Just, a there's a lot of variety there. That is a good one, Anne. Um, <laughs> mine is no longer uh, appropriate, but I, as an Indians fan, always loved Chief Wahoo. Chief Wahoo, big old smile. Um, always thought that was really cool. But when my Atlanta Thrashers moved out west and Atlanta lost its second hockey team. We got the Winnipeg Jets, and it's a really cool, really cool logo. The Winnipeg Jets was a really, really cool logo. Now, the number one by Fox Sports will be our fourth for the day, and I have a hard time swallowing it. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Number two, I like the Texas Longhorns. So there's your number one and your number two pro based on Fox Sports' poll. That's it. That's this week's Final Four. We'll check you guys next week. Thanks for letting us get a break uh, last week. Glad to be back. Excited to talk about some uh, some exciting stuff with you guys, and we'll check in soon. That's this week's Biz Dads. We're out.